The human narrative of our next two missives is a boring one, O oh great Amaterasu. That is not because they are human, not exactly, but because they are political dramas, with battles and blood and subjugation. Humans pretending to lord over one another on account of their blood. Your descendants in the land of the rising sun find blood very important, or at least those classically minded do. Otherwise, why else would your descendants sit upon the chrysanthemum throne still? Do not take me as flippant, but I think there is a point to be made here. Blood does not guarantee success. Look at the five sons Asanoa created for you. None of them were worthwhile. Not a single one. Now, Ninigi, he proved worthwhile. He subjugated the earth kami. But it would take two more generations for a worthy soul to be born to bring order to the world of men. And when it rains greatness, it pours. The foxes saw it all, I must say. We even shapeshifted to be on the ship with your legendary descendants, looking for a new home. But why look at all? What had become of your descendants? Let us learn of the first emperor, and how you guided him. Welcome to Goddessy, Season 3, Episode 8, The Plain of Yamato. In those days, the Land of the Rising Sun was made of three islands. Southernmost was Kyushu, where our tale begins. The smallest was Shikoku, surrounded by the largest of the islands, Honshu, which most of the people lived upon. Now in those days, the land was full of many humans, divided into clans and tribes, living in the mountains and valleys, farming where possible, and offering protection to one another from the elements and from the obake that haunted their lands. For in those legendary days, yokai and all manner of supernatural beings walked freely upon the earth. Kami manifested to humanity plainly, and reproduced with them often. That is how he was born, after all. Let us go back to your descendants. Amino Oshihomimi was the first of your adopted sons from the contest with Susanoo, a disappointment prone to painting and poetry, as he still does to this day. His son, Ninigi, was the one who went to Earth and subjugated the Earth Kami, and who married into their clans. He had three sons, triplets, whose tale is amazing, but not for this missive. The most worthy, Ho'ori, as he was called in the short form, subjugated his brothers into service, and who was powerful enough into attracting the attention of the king of Ryujin, the kingdom of the dragons. He married the princess of Ryujin, Princess Toyotama, and when she became pregnant, she opted to give birth to your divine great-great-grandson on land, to make sure he was of the earth and heaven and sea. When the labor pains became too much, she transformed into a great draconic sea beast, which terrified the humans and Kami alike. Such was her shame that, immediately upon giving birth, she fled back into the sea, and Ho'ori opted to let the boy be raised by his maternal aunt, Princess Tamayori of Ryujin. This boy became Ugaya Fukiezu no Mikoto, and in time he fell in love with his aunt, whom he married and had four sons. It is their tale that we tell now. By this point, Inigi's descendants had moved fully to southern Kyushu, and were a powerful clan with many retainers and indeed, many omyoji, that is, mystics who study many divination systems and who advise and protect against evil spirits. There were many priests and priestesses too, and indeed, yokai that fell into the service of your family. But though they ruled, their location in Kyushu proved unsuitable for maintaining order and discipline among the other clans and the tribes. 
The clan of Ninigi needed a central place from which to rule that allowed them access to other clans quickly and to tribes they could subjugate by force of arms, if necessary. From Kyushu, there was too much distance. That is when you sent your servant to the four brothers, who were led by the eldest, Itsue. But it was not Itsue who saw the servant for what it was, for indeed, the servant you sent was not a man or a woman or a fox, but a crow. The Yatagarasu, the solar crow with three legs, is unmistakable. The youngest of the four brothers has many names now, but the first of which was Kamu Yamato Iware Biko no Mikoto. You will see why this name is fortuitous shortly. Odd, the human sense of time and the labeling of things. Kamu Yamato saw the solar crow and said to his brothers, To answer the question of where we should rule, Itsue and my brothers, we should follow this crow, for it is surely sent by the Empress of Heaven herself. Look how the sun reflects in its eyes, how the feathers are perfect and give off no excess sheen. Let us take our retainers and follow the crow, and it will take us to where we need to go. Itsue found his brother's words moving, and so the descendants of Dinigi loaded upon the boats and followed the crow, who led them from southern Kyushu into the inland sea, the sea between Shikoku and Honshu, and the crow followed the coast, never landing on Shikoku nor Honshu, until it came past Shikoku, into the land. Many yokai and clans of humans greeted their ships, hailing them from the shores. Others, less friendly, warned them to stay away, and even fired flaming arrows at the ships. It was only through the guidance of one of the local clan leaders, Sao Netsuhiko, that the four brothers made it peacefully and without loss of life. That is why they needed to bring order. It was not safe to travel in the land of the rising sun in those days, O great Dematerasu. Humanity is an orderless thing at times. At last, the crow came to land in Honshu, in the plains of Ninwa. Immediately, a local chief came to them and said, You cannot come here, Itsue no Mikoto. I am Nagasuneiko, the great chief, and this is my land. Your presence is not wanted nor needed here. Go back to Kyushu, or by force of arms we shall shed divine blood. Impertinence is nothing new. But why did you not intervene then and there, I wonder? It was then that Kamu Yamato noticed that the crow had left them, and indeed headed east along the coast to a different place. He told Itsue they should leave and follow the crow, but Itsue was enraged. Then let us draw swords and break spears this day, Nagasunehiko. And so it was that the first battle for the land began, as the sun was setting. The descendants of Ninigi, your descendants, fought bravely, but it was not enough. They did not hold the high ground, and in time, Itsue was struck down by Nagasunehiko himself. Looking to Kama Yamato, he spoke plainly, Take your brothers and leave this place, never to return, on pain of death. Seeing it futile to end the bloodline there, Kamu Yamato ordered his brothers and the retainers back onto the ships and consulted his omyoji. They had lost the battle not because of a lack of skill or numbers, but because they had fought against the sun, their backs turned west as the sun descended. Kamu Yamato mentioned the solar crow again, and the other two brothers, seeing their younger brother's wisdom, elevated him to the position of leader. Instead of turning around, they followed east into the night until they found the crow circling at the key peninsula. They landed, unpacked their gear, and burned their ships. There would be no going back. 
For days through the mountains, Kamu Yamato followed the Solar Crow, careful not to make contact with any of the tribes of Emishi or the clans, for if they were not loyal to Nagasunehiko, they were in his service and were honorable enough to report to him any enemies whom they found. Days and days passed, with hope dimming. Dimming until they came upon an open plain, the heart of Honshu, and indeed, a wide enough place to set up many palaces, if not just one. This was called Yamato, Great Wall, and it was here that the remaining descendants of Minigi made their claim to this land. They would become the Yamato clan. Nagasunehiko heard about this and became enraged, bringing his armies to face them. With the sun before the clan of Yamato, giving them their blessings and the solar crow circling above, the battle was not so close this time. Kamuyamato found Nagasunehiko on the battlefield and there avenged his brother, and that was that. The former enemy clans were brought to serve the Yamato, and indeed, soon Kamuyamato set up a palace and called the local chiefs to him. Many, he discovered, were descended from the gods of the Plain of Heaven. You will recall some of your ministers took their time in returning to heaven after your dalliance in the cave? They beget human descendants who live there to this day. Seeing that Kamu Yamato was descended from the sun goddess, Great Amaterasu, they allowed themselves to serve Yamato as their ancestor served you, Empress of Heaven. Funny how that works. Soon the clans of Honshu, heading west into Izumo, where Susanoo's descendants reigned, declared their loyalty to the Yamato clan. All of Shikoku, at the insistence of Sao Netsuhiko, also declared loyalty to your descendants. In Kyushu, the same applied, but the Hayato people, descended from one of Hoori's brothers, remained in Kyushu, the lands given to them by Kamo Yamato to rule as the Yamato clan moved permanently to Yamato. They ruled separately but loyally, subjugated by divine justice. Another missive may tell that tale. Kamo Yamato then turned east, to the untamed lands and the rest of Honshu. They were ruled by the Amishi, a proud people covered in hair whose loyalty lay more with the other gods who did not declare loyalty to you, great Amaterasu, though some also worshipped Inari, whose clout was great. Everyone likes to eat, after all. Those who would not be loyal, Kamu Yamato fought, and never did the Amishi who would not be peaceful encroach upon Yamato land. He ruled for 126 years, and when he died, he was given a new name, Jimu Tino the Emperor Jimu, the Warrior Emperor. He would become the first Emperor of the Land of the Rising Sun, the first Emperor of the Yamato Clan, the longest reigning line in the history of all humans, not just those in the Land of the Rising Sun. His body was put to rest in Mount Unebi, where it resides to this day. Let our missive in there. We have newcomers to meet, and must track the flow and ebb of your people over time, and we must meet foreign gods, too. Jimu, who we called Kamu Yamato through most of this episode, is the first of Japan's legendary emperors. These emperors have minimal factual evidence and nothing to mark their reigns or locations, but are regarded, nay revered, in Japan nonetheless. During the military years of the Showa period, i.e. the years leading up to World War II, to deny Jimu existed was to basically put a target on your back and wait for the far right-wing extremists to tear you anew. Jimu's reign supposedly began in 660 BCE, 
which is otherwise notable in history for a solar event, and he reigned until 585 BCE. The closest world leader to a similar time period is Cyrus the Great of Persia, whose reign began in 559 but who was born in 600 BCE. Thus, when Jimmu died at supposedly at the age of 126, Cyrus would have been 15. Japanese time is marked differently than elsewhere, with eras recalling the reigns of emperors. Currently, as in Jimmu's supposed time, one emperor had one name for his reign. Hirohito reigned from 1926 to 1989 and became the Showa emperor upon his death. Showa means enlightened peace, which, okay, not so much. His son, Akihito, reigned from 1989 to 2019, after which he became the Heisei Emperor, which means Emperor of Growing Peace. He will not use this title in Japan until his death, technically, but the Heisei era ended when he abdicated, itself a significant issue among nationalists, but in the time between Jimmu and Emperor Meiji, who took the throne in 1868, abdication was not uncommon. In fact, most emperors had multiple eras during their reign, changing their ruling name. Since 2019, the current era is the Reiwa era, the era of fortunate peace, which is a break from the imperial custom previously used. Chinese readings of the characters were used before, but Naruhito, the standing emperor's name, chose to use Japanese readings. If you're sensing political reasons for this, you'd probably be right. There's a subtle touch on Japan's caste system here, with the Hayato people, an ethnicity rarely discussed of ancient Japan. Japan's system is largely based on Confucian thought and will be reformed several times before the caste system is made illegal in the 1870s, though parts remain. In distantly ancient Japan, the caste system is based on ethnicity. In all likelihood, the Yamato are Korean in origin, but I didn't say that. You must have read that somewhere else. Next week, we'll tackle the imperial system and the approach of Japan's other prominent religions, none of which are at odds with Shinto inherently into the Buddhas and how the imperial family mixed religions. Goddessy is written, researched, and produced by Greg Wright. Additional editing and research by Sidney Yeager, a friend to Three-Legged Crows, and you. Music by Scott Buckley, whose Creative Commons music can be found at www.scottbuckley.com.au. Goddessy is more than a podcast, surprising no one. We are also very active on social media, sharing on Mythology Monday, Fairy Tale Tuesday, Weird Wednesday, Folklore Thursday, and Faustian Friday, and sometimes on the weekends, too. You can find us on social media as The Goddessy Podcast. Drop by, say hi, maybe keep in mind where the sun is so you have the best advantage in battle and the blessings of your ancestor. If you like Goddessy and won the battle to rule Japan, leave a review on the podcast service of your choice and share with everyone you've ever met, ever. If you want to support the show more directly, come drop by Patreon or Coffee and toss a coin to some Witcher, O Valley of Late Stage Capitalism. Goddessy updates every Monday. See you next week.